his Group of Five day on High Motor by BetMGM. Andrew Dowdy and Chase Kitty with the sixth of seven college football previews before the season. You'll see in your podcast player, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, SEC. This is G5, and then on Monday will be the FCS. As we approach week zero, four of the five, we're talking on Tuesday, so as of now, four of the five week zero games are up. The lines are up on BetMGM.com and the BetMGM Sportsbook app. The spreads, the totals, the money lines for those four games, including, let me ask you this question. If you haven't seen the total for UCLA-Hawaii yet, have you seen it? No. What do you think it is? 65. 70. That's so high. Does that approach your, what was the game last year where it was like 72 and you're like, this is so high that I think I have to take the over. What game was that? Like UCF? Who was that? It might have been UCF Memphis maybe. Can't remember. I don't know, but it's, it's so hard to know coming out of the gate week zero after last year. You know, you're not even... Most teams aren't even done with camp yet. It's just, I don't know, man. I it's That's a tough read to have. I know that's a crappy answer, but I'd have to look into it a little more. be a fun ticket to hold, wouldn't it? It would be a fun ticket to hold. Yes, that's absolutely true. Well, I think it'd be more fun. So that's an afternoon game. It's not, this isn't the late game in week zero, two of them. UTEP, New Mexico State, UConn, Fresno, San Jose State, Utah, Southern Utah. I'm not sure what time that kick is. That line is not available yet on BetMGM. I think it would be more fun to be holding that ticket if that's like a, I mean, you're Eastern, I'm Central. If that's a 10 o'clock kickoff for me, 11 o'clock for you. That would be more fun of a ticket to hold. I think there's nothing more fun than winning. And if I want to win that, my gut says first half under. You texted this afternoon things that we should consider opening the podcast with. Number one, tales from your Nashville bachelor party. Right. Not, just to be clear, not my bachelor party, but a bachelor party I attended last week. Number two, the coaches poll. Number three, hard Mountain Dew. And this wasn't, it reminded me, but this wasn't as bad as your, it was like rank these five shitty fast food chains from several months ago when you were all hopped up on Red Robin and Fuddruckers or something. But still, like you're working under the assumption here that I cared about all of these items, and I don't. I care, as I told you, I care about one and roughly one-tenth of these items. And I told you to open the show, if you can guess which items account for the one and one-tenth of my interest, we can talk about them on the show. If you don't, we go straight to the G5. Which items do I care about from those three? I'm going to guess that you don't care about the hard Mountain Dew. Mmm, what makes you say that? I, you're you're much more of an adult than I am. You're married and have a child, and I'm like running around at karaoke bars at one one a.m. So I'm gonna guess that you have a scornful attitude about hard Mountain Dew. But that exists. You're not you're not making that up. I saw today an ad for alcoholic Mountain Dew. Yes, sir. How much of it is gonna taste like a vodka Red Bull? Like that's the only thing I can I can picture in my mind right now. I mean, I would sign up for any and all of that. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the point, isn't it? That's what you want in a in a hard Mountain Dew. You want right. I'm not total criticizing disaster. it because I, I I enjoy a vodka Red Bull, but 
That's what I'm picturing that drink is tasting like. But you are correct. I don't care about that. Where does ah. the one and one tenth come from then? Oh, uh, probably the bachelor party. Because I'm guessing you don't generally care too much about things that I do in my personal life. You are correct. <laughs> it's not that. It. It, it, it is. I'm so on it. <laughs> it is you telling me about your fantasy football team. I, I agree. I it's don't cool, care. Cool, dude. Nashville's great. Bachelor parties are great. I wasn't there, so I don't I don't care. I have interest because I don't dislike you and I like Nashville. So I'm that's where the one tenth comes from. And I might even be generous saying that I care one hundred percent about the coaches poll. But I think we're on the same page with that. Like the actual rankings don't mean anything. But I mean you talk so much about like marketplace marketplace principles and we were talking about Texas on the SEC episode, like purely based on the marketplace, where would they sit in SEC odds? You said something like we need to give them the respect because that's where they would sit if you have a bunch of Texas fans parachuting in, dropping $20 on Texas at you know plus 1,000 or whatever they would be for SEC odds. So I think that we agree that the poll matters because perception matters a lot in college football on a lot of different levels, everything from coaching changes, transfers, fundraising, all kinds of stuff like that. But it also matters because I'm of the belief that, and I think that you are too, that the playoff committee can't just check all of their biases at the door, whether or not they know it. So I do think that it matters a little bit going into a season, even though they say they wipe the slates clean and they don't really look at any metrics until they actually sit down for the first uh, committee rankings, whenever that is, late October, early November or something. I think it matters in that regard. We agree with that, right? Yeah, totally agree with all that. I think the zag is, man, like we literally said on this podcast like three weeks ago, if that, like, well, you can just write Texas in at 19th in the coaches poll, right? I think it was like four days ago, but yes, it was, was I think it, it was that, that soon? I think it was the SEC, which episode? I think it was, no, it was the big 12 one because at you said your point, first bet, your yeah. first bet of the season that you took so far was Louisiana plus nine against Texas. And we were talking about how we agreed that Louisiana was a better team, but Texas is going to be ranked ahead of them, yada, yada, yada. Right. And yeah. I mean, we're not we're not being charitable here. The number we said was 19th. You Coach's said 19. Poll, I even put it down at like 23, 24, I yeah. think. Coaches poll yeah. out today, Texas is 19. So what is the value of something that is such hardcore, predictable bullshit? Like, let me pull the curtain back for a second. I'm going to blow somebody's mind here. Guess who doesn't vote in the coaches poll? The coaches. Ooh, 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 I know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the coaches do not vote in the coaches poll. Hey, that and is... even if they did vote, coaches aren't watching your team. No, do you, you know think... what they're doing? They're doing their job. Do you think Jimmy Lake is watching Louisiana football? <laughs> no, I don't. So what the coaches poll really is, for those of you who are uninitiated, is the sports information director has to turn in a coach's poll ballot and he has been putting it off and putting it off because they're all overworked and understaffed and he's got about 14 minutes left before the deadline to turn this thing in. So he scrawls down some team names based on the results he could remember from watching the 3 a.m. Sports Center. That's what the coach's poll is. <laughs> True or false? I think you're even being generous I think it's them going on, how did Athlon rank them in their preseason magazine? 
How did ESPN rank them in the way too early rank? I'm talking mid-season, though. I'm talking mid-season. Like, oh, okay. Week sure. Week seven, sure. that's what the coach's poll is. Sure, preseason, I mean, it's it's just, you know, Brandapalooza, who cares? So I do care about that. The other one-tenth is your Nashville bachelor party. Can I just say, ten seconds or less, Nashville, pretty good time, solid food, too much music, okay? It was overwhelming. It was my first time there. I love music. It was too much. Ah, there's a zag for you. It's it If you're standing be. on the sidewalk between two buildings and you can hear six different people singing, it's too much. But it was cool other than that. All of whom are singing covers from, like, Marin Morris and Brothers Osborne. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, and, and like, the, the level of talent in that city is staggering. Like, that's really cool. But it was it was too much. Dial it back a bit. Chamber I think we finally got to your version of Rome sucks. That That's your Rome sucks take. <laughs> that's my Rome sucks take. <laughs> hey, Nashville, tone down the music. I'm just saying it was, go into a bar, it's awesome. Because you, cause you're only getting one there. So that, that part's awesome. But just like walking around outside, it was, it was, it was like, a, it was, it was a, uh, a recipe that's, that's doing too much. It was like, hey, we need to take a couple spices out of this. That's what it was. You want to talk about, uh, want to talk G5? Sure. Yeah. We have to start with Cincinnati, right? You did text we... me earlier today. How much cocaine have you done today? The answer, by the way, zero. Right, because you're texting me the over records of the Twins, asking me how far I think the drive is from Richmond to Nashville. If I had to guess off the top of my head, it's probably in the 8-10 to 10 ballpark. I don't mm. care, though. If you go the long way, it's a strong 14 if you stop for Fazoli's. We have to start with Cincinnati, though, don't we? I think so. And yeah. I, I mean, we've said before, at least I've said this several times, I believe this is the best chance we've ever seen for a G5 playoff team in this four-team format, as we said right now, preseason, I think Cincinnati is the best team of the G or the of the playoff era. So this is year, what eight? Yeah, year eight. So as of right now, and I could be proven wrong by the end of the season, but as we sit right now, I think that Cincinnati is just purely the best team of this era, and they do also have the best chance with Indiana on the schedule, with Notre Dame on the schedule. From a purely a betting standpoint, Cincinnati right now minus two hundred to win the American. Win total of 10, split evenly, minus 110 each on that, on the win total of 10. So that number isn't going anywhere unless we see some major cash in the next three and a half weeks or so. They will enter that season, enter the season with a win total of 10, and it's really, really easy to see why that number is 10 with Indiana, with Notre Dame. So the conversation, I think, is pretty simple here. Will they split them? You then take the over. Will they lose both and drop one to... I don't have their schedule pulled up in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they play UCF. Uh, I can't remember who else. Will they drop one to UCF or elsewhere? Then you're just taking the under on that, right? I mean, half of this just seems so easy for me because I'm not taking the under. There's no way I'm taking the under on this team. From an investment standpoint, I'm either letting my money sit in the book for three, three and a half months with no return because of a push at 10, or I'm just gonna double my money with eleven and one or twelve and zero. Are you seeing anything differently here on Cincinnati? Am I oversimplifying it? Um, I think for the most part you're on it. I mean, I I feel like the number is right. So from a value standpoint, I, I think I think you're you're playing 
your heart and not your head, I guess is, it would be one way to say it. Like there, I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room with this number. So you're, you're sort of playing the fool's game, right? I think I'm smarter than the book. And if you're right, great. Like that's, you know, it, it's good to be right. But I, I think in terms of value, I think this number is pretty much right on. So I, I, I would agree with you that it's probably over or past. I wouldn't want to be sitting here waiting for Cincinnati to lose three games. And yes, they have a challenging schedule. But they're pretty good. They still got Ritter. They're well coached. They're deep. I I think for me this is a no play. I think coming off of last year, they're being evaluated so high. They do have two challenging games. I mean, it's just there's too much here for me to want to get involved. And so for me, coming off a, a year like last year, this is a pass. Cincinnati plus eleven hundred to make the playoff. Uh, the thing here for me is like if so only. Four Cincinnati games are posted. First of all, I like the 1100 number. I'll explain why. If more Cincinnati games are posted, there are only four right now Miami of Ohio, Indiana, Notre Dame, and UCF. So, right now, if you parlay those four money lines together, you're only getting to plus 476. So, nowhere near 1100. Could you get to 1100 if more lines are posted? We can build one or two parlays. Maybe you probably have to do that early because if, if Cincinnati starts rolling, those numbers are just going to go up and up and up. If you're picking one side here, I mean, betting on Cincinnati to go 13-0, which, in my opinion, my very strong opinion, 13-0 would get them in the playoff. Or you can just bet right now they're in the playoff at 1,100, which obviously means 13-0. So I think because I like the 1,100 number right now, and I'm I'm not really interested in... You see what I'm saying here? Like, would I rather Absolutely, bet every yes. single... Yeah, so I, I, I like the 1,100 number because I do like Cincinnati's chances of going 13-0. And that number is going to give me more value as opposed to right now parlaying these four games or obviously betting them individually would be even lower or waiting because I feel like if we get to a point where Cincinnati does have these two wins against Cincinnati and, or excuse me, against Indiana and Notre Dame and they're 6-0 and in October, their money lines are going to be gigantic. So I am considering taking 1,100 right now just because I like their chances to go 13-0 and so much. And I am very convinced that they're in the playoff if they go 13-0 and this year. Yeah, I think this is the much more interesting angle on Cincinnati, all right? So if you're if you're a big buyer of what they have this year, there's a lot to like in terms of the playoff conversation. I think the biggest thing is how good they were in 2020. Because if you're a G5, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. We know how this works by now. Going undefeated is not enough. So you need that sort of UCF 2018-style momentum from a previous year. So now coming into the new college football season – you have that cachet with the voters and the public and, and the reputation says, hey, we really are this good. All right, so that's number one. They've got the momentum from last year. They play Indiana, who I've talked earlier this summer about how I feel like they're going to be a real player in the Big Ten picture. They play Notre Dame, which coming off of a playoff berth last year, I think that's a big deal. I don't think Notre Dame is going to be as good this year. They lose a ton. So I think the name value of that is going to be more important than actually how good of a team they are. I mean, Cincinnati, in my opinion, is just straight up better than Notre Dame this year. They're, yeah. They deserve to win that game. I think they'll probably be favored. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that that's how I see oh, that. They're not going to be favored in that game. There's no way. I don't know, man. I, no way. I get what you're saying about mar- the marketplace and, and Notre Dame and, and the, the name value and everything. But when you look at these teams, Cincinnati is clearly better. And so I do think this is a case where Cincinnati is probably favored. 
I think they would have massive exposure from from Sharps. So you mean that when that game comes up, like that is, I think it's week five, it's October 1st. Like right now, Notre Dame is a slight favorite three and a half. You think by the time that game is played, that number will move towards Cincinnati or to the point that they're just a favorite? Yes, because I think wow. I think they will have Jesus. massive, massive exposure from Sharps on Cincinnati. That, that That's my prediction. Sure. I could be wrong. Anyways, I interrupted you. Where, where else are you going? I just think if you like them this much, if they go 13-0, and I, I agree with you. I think they're in the playoff. And so go ahead and take a nice swing there at, at more than 10-to-1 odds and have the chance to get really good return on Cincinnati. Where do you want to go next? I, I, I just have notes all over the board here. Where do you want to go with this? Do you want to explain to me... I don't have anything for the Sun Belt, and I'm bummed about that. Do you have anything there where you can convince me to hop aboard your train? Well, can we stay in the American for a second? Because I actually like sure. a different American future than Cincinnati. Sure. I'm not telling you they're the best team in the conference, okay? But I, I'm i certainly not telling you that I have the best coach in the conference, uh, as I have plenty of experience with. But when you look at how the schedule lines up for Houston, whose win total is eight and a half. So clearly inferior to Cincinnati in that respect, if you're comparing the win totals. I really like them as a potential dark horse conference winner at plus 1400. You're getting a 14 to one payoff. And you're, so look, let's get this out of the way. They're not the most talented team in the conference. They don't have the best coach in the conference. They don't have the best quarterback in the conference. Okay. So you are not getting the best product, but you are getting a team that doesn't play Cincinnati in the regular season, that doesn't play UCF in the regular season, that plays Tulsa, who is, I believe, the third most likely team in the odds to win the conference. Tulsa, I don't think, is going to be nearly as good as they were last year. They are losing a lot in terms of the quarterback that they did have that is now gone. And then whoever's going to come out of that three-way quarterback competition they have down there. You're talking about a team that I believe hosts Memphis, which is the fourth most likely team to win the conference looking at the odds. So in terms of the pathway, I think they could find themselves in the title game for that conference. And if it's a one game playoff to win the American, and you're giving me 14 to 1 odds, I'll go ahead and take a flyer on him. I have seen Dana Holgerson lose many a game that he should have won, okay? So I don't feel awesome about this. This is a pure value thing. This is, I would like to be holding this ticket later in the season because I think it's going to give me some other opportunities based on the schedule. That's what this is about more so than, boy, I really think Houston could win this conference. Look how good they are. I'm not even going to argue your point. Like I think that your point is fair, but I, I'm just I'm not betting any amount of money on any Houston or Holgerson odds. I get it. I I really just think get he's it. a. I think it was a bad hire. I think he's overpaid. I think he's dead man walking there. And I, I, I just I'm not saying that like Houston's going to flame out and go three and nine this year. We don't even need to talk about this. I yeah. I think that you have a fair argument for the value of it. But what are they? Fourteen hundred. Fourteen hundred. And they don't play the two best teams in the conference. I mean, you, you got to think I've, about it. 
I think if I'm taking that big of a shot, I'm just taking putting more money on Cincinnati at 1100 to make the playoff because the odds of Cincinnati going 13 and all are just infinitely greater than Houston winning this conference. Yeah, but I, I actually don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you could hold both tickets. I don't want to though, because I think there's a very real chance that you could end up in a conference title game where it's Houston versus Cincinnati. And then you're holding basically opposite sides of that game at more than 10 to one odds each. I mean, it's, it's an incredible, like weird future hedge potential situation that, that I'm kind of intoxicated by. I mean, my notes are kind of a mess for this episode and I didn't know where we were going to go, but I didn't think we were going to go to Houston, Cincinnati, American conference championship game. There you go, man. Uh, okay, I can I can tell you about some other interesting American uh, numbers that I'm looking at, if you like. Yeah, I only have one American number, so give me what you got. And I'm curious if. Why you don't you give me your one? South Florida under three and a half. The yeah. big is also leaning that way. The one win on their schedule is Florida A&M, and I don't know anything about Florida A&M. Am I right to assume that that's going to be a win? They're pretty good, man. I mean, they are. Great. They're they're always hard to figure out because they're an HBCU and so they they play a very insular schedule that's mainly against other HBCUs and the HBCUs generally don't participate in the FCS playoffs so it's really hard to figure out where they exist on a year-to-year basis but Florida A&M has been I mean some North Carolina A&T people are going to come after me but arguably Florida A&M has been the best HBCU team the last couple of years so I would probably I don't know, man. I, I think uh, I think that's a winnable game if you're Florida A&M. Okay. That makes me feel even better about this. Yeah. That was my one auto win here. I have a lot of maybes. Temple, East Carolina, maybe. Houston, maybe. Tulane, maybe. I mean, even I'm a little bit higher on Tulsa than you are, but we'll kind of split the middle there. Tulsa at home, maybe. Maybe BYU. I think BYU is a little bit overrated, but going on the road to BYU, a bad team, inexperienced team. I don't see it. This to me, this feels like a like a step in the right direction year for Jeff Scott. Like, they're, hey, they're a lot better this year, even if the record doesn't reflect that. And it will be something like they'll go three and nine after the season. Jeff Scott talking about all the things that they've done well this year, and he's going to get crushed because they're still three and nine at a program that I think has probably unreasonable expectations based upon their lack of investment. Carry, um, you know in relation at least to UCF and some of the other schools that kind of sit in their world. So I feel really good about three and a half. I felt good about it before you just broke down why Florida A&M is going to smash them in week three. <laughs> so Rattlers. great under, under South Florida, three and a half, put it on the board. I like a different under three and a half in this conference. Uh, I am, I, I think Navy might suck this year. Uh, I hate to say it, but they were not good last year. They actually lose a lot from a team that wasn't very good. That doesn't mean they're going to be even worse or anything necessarily. Uh, but it, it just feels like they, they are not going to bounce back this year uh, and play like they did in, in 2019. So I'm looking at the under three and a half from Navy there as well. It feels like I, I've talked to smart people that are that are fairly close to the program, at least closer than I am. And the way they've explained it is, look, if you have an awesome and athletic quarterback that's running that offense... Navy can be really good. If you don't have that, it's really hard, and they don't have that right now. So I, I'm uh, I'm looking at the under three and a half there. Anything else in the American? I'm interested. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to play it, but the East Carolina over five and a half. 
Okay. Year three for Mike Houston. The VIG is minus 145. So, yes, there's action there, but the book is understandably a bit loath to move it up to six. I do think with the talent they, that they have amassed, the coaching that I, I mean, I know that coaching staff, okay? I've interviewed almost every member of that coaching staff before they went to East Carolina. They're a very good coaching staff. They're going to be probably pretty good this year. I do think they can get to six and six, maybe seven and five. Uh, so I think the over is the right side of that. I'm just not taking it at minus 145. And as we've alluded to, Tulsa, not a believer. Uh, I, I do think that they are looking at maybe like a five and seven type year. So I, I am looking at the under there. That's uh, plus plus rated odds. I think they're right at a plus one hundred. Yeah, so. I'm still looking at the ECU number. I mean, I agree with everything you said, and I I take your your word for the coaching staff and all that. You know that I'm also high on Mike Houston, probably not to the point that you are. I mean, there's a lot to like there. I think that you're going to see, and like the amount of turnovers they had last year, you're, you just don't see that in back to back years, especially with a team that brings back that much talent on both sides of the ball. I think they have 20, what did I write down? 20, 20, 21 starters back. There aren't any auto losses on that schedule. I think that Cincinnati at home is probably the auto loss. But aside from that, we talked about the South Carolina game uh, and the SEC preview. And there are a lot of toss-up games. There are a lot of if maybe one or two things go right games. So I think that number is a little bit low. I'm not totally sure if i'm there yet but this this kind of feels like how i mentioned usf where they're not their record isn't going to reflect the type of step they take forward for this program so i think that even if east carolina does go five and seven it will be a much better year for them and i mean it's just another year we've said this so many times it's just another year closer to mike houston getting a bigger job because it just feels like that's happening in a year or two for sure the, the Mike Houston-Dana Holgerson coaching matchup cognitive dissonance that I have is just, like, astronomical. Is Dana Holgerson a top 50 coach in college football? Probably not. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. You want to talk some non-American stuff? Get weird? You want to go to the Mac? Let's, do, I, let's talk Mac. I have some Mac plays. How much do you love Kent State this year? Not much. <laughs> I might take a flyer on them at 1,200 to win the MAC. I don't... There are a lot of really good teams in this conference. Like, a lot of teams that are capable of winning 9 or 10 games. I just don't know if I'm that confident with a coaching change at Ohio. I don't know, like, what Ball State's ceiling is going to be. So, I might take a flyer on Kent State at, at plus 1,200. Really like Sean Lewis. I hope he stays. Let me talk about coaches staying. I hope he stays there for a bit instead of taking just some shit P5 job. If Dino Babers is fired, I don't really want Sean Lewis to go to Syracuse. I want him to go to a better job. Also considering uh, taking Kent State at, at over five and a half, and I would get plus 115 on that. Very happy to take it. You get the win VMI. I'm not convinced that 0-2 is guaranteed for them against Iowa. I'm that 0-2 is guaranteed for them against Iowa or Maryland. You also get the wins over Bowling Green, Northern Illinois, Akron. So what is that at four? If they split Iowa and Maryland, even if they don't, I think two more in a conference that, like I said, is either going to have, I don't know, one or two very good teams, no elite teams, several just good teams, nothing on in the high end in the MAC this year. I think that's a lot of winnable games for Kent State, who's going to score a shitload of points. And Sean Lewis is only moving this program forward. So I, I, I'm very happy with taking them at 1,100 to win the MAC. 
and I haven't decided if I'm going to take over five and a half at plus one fifteen. What are you taking for Kent State? Are you taking both? Uh, right now, the only one I'm taking is when's that VMI game? I think it's week two. Week two. Give me the no, over in one. that one. No, 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 week one. They go week one VMI, and then they do Iowa Maryland back to back. Give me the over in VMI Kent State. Give me the over by like thirty points. I mean, they're they're going to score ninety points in that. Game. What's the number going to be on that? It's not posted yet. Sixty. Uh, it's going to be a bad number. I'll tell you that right now, because that the book is not going to have accurate stuff on VMI, and they're both Great. going to score some points. So you're on Kent State. Uh, I might take VMI plus the points there too. I mean, VMI is pretty good now. They they were garbage forever, no. and then suddenly they're good. So I don't know. I I'm right. I'm not taking Kent State. I don't think, but that's more of a. Uh, I don't know that I studied them enough to really have like a hard, hard opinion on it. I am Team Toledo. Give me all of the Toledo stock I can buy. Over eight and a half, all day, all night, into 2022. I just, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if the recent downtick was a COVID thing the year before. I mean, Jason Candle was basically on the top of the, the G5 world, talks about going to UCF maybe, and I maybe it's like your Kent State. I don't know Toledo well enough to make a decision on that, I guess. Is that Central it for Michigan? Nope. We're going to talk Chippewa? Nope. Give me the over 6.5 plus 105. Nah. Anything else in the MAC? I think those are my only two plays. I, I like I like Toledo. I like Central Michigan, and I'm not going to get too cute. I don't want to have seven MAC tickets. That's just asking for trouble. Toledo, Central Michigan. Let's get out of here. Give me something in the Sun Belt. I mentioned this before. I have nothing in the Sun Belt right now. I want to ride this wave. I mean, we've been talking up Louisiana the entire off season. I don't think Coastal Carolina is going to be bad, but I think they might be just a teeny bit overrated. Like, what is here for me in the Sun Belt? Give me something to be invested in right so you do have to feel a little nervous with the coastal carolina situation right because just completely irrelevant for their their short existence in fbs obviously a great baseball school but football just like the poster child for like four and eight five and seven and we're just happy to be here then last year happens and you're coming into 2021 like Am I buying too high? Like it is, you know, they had like this perfect season where everything bounced their way. Am I buying too high? But I look at the schedule and I'm thinking, man, I don't see how they go nine and three. I just don't see that. Like, where, where are the losses? I mean, exactly. Like, if Lance Leipold is back at Buffalo, maybe I'm taking Buffalo in that game. But where, unless you're high in App State, I mean, I don't. I don't see one auto loss here. Exactly, and and that's why the over is still the play, even though the marketplace is, you know, there there are probably decently founded concerns about being priced out on them. They're not losing to the Citadel. They're, I mean, a lot of times with these teams, you worry about what they're going to do in the non-conference. Well, their non-conference is Citadel, Kansas, Buffalo, UMass. That's probably 4-0. I mean, they got to go to Buffalo, but, you know, as you mentioned – the Lance Leipold thing, I feel like they're going to win that game. So I feel like you're 4-0 coming into a Sunbelt schedule where they don't play Louisiana in the regular season. 
I feel like they're getting to eleven and one. And I mean, if if you're you know if you're not looking at the production numbers and you're like, oh man, how much did they lose from last year? Not a whole lot. So nothing. It's over ten for me. And I'll worry about the crash next year because I do think they will still be really good this year uh, for 2021. I think I was overthinking my skepticism on that. I think this was a, let me see you do it again. And like, that's not denying what you said. They have all these guys back. I mean, they have just guys all over preseason, all Sunbelt list. They have some guys that could be like fringe All-Americans. Like the talent is there. So maybe I was just overthinking it because I was scared to invest in them when like they were good last year, but like a three-point win over Louisiana, I don't totally know how good BYU was. Like I think they were fine, but they didn't beat, they didn't play anybody, they didn't beat anybody. So I don't know if I was just overthinking this and being reluctant to put too many eggs in Coastal Carolina's basket. But I think you're right. I mean, nine and three on this schedule, I don't see it at all. Yeah, and I, I think the Louisiana thing, uh, you know, going to sort of looking at the other side of the Sun Belt. Louisiana is an over two. I mean, let's say they lose to Texas by 50. Let's say they go to Liberty in November and Liberty stomps them. Okay. They're still hitting this over. I I mean, unless they just have way too many weird, you know, mess up games where South Alabama trips them up or something. I just don't see them going seven and five, eight and four. It doesn't feel like that's on the table for them. They're too talented. They're too well coached. They have too much coming back. And again, that is saying, let's just write off the games against the two best teams on their schedule, Texas and Liberty, where I'm feeling pretty confident they're going to get one of those. So I like the over for Louisiana as well, and I fully expect to see those two teams in the Sun Belt title game. All right, I feel better now about the Sun Belt. What do you have? That's all I have for the Sun Belt. Okay. You just gave it to me. Great. Do you want to go west? Sure. Nevada plus 400 to win the Mountain West. Yeah, you texted me this today, and I thought, you know, that's that's not a bad bet, but I'm surprised you went there. There's not that big of a... Like, I, I Boise State is just in a weird spot. Like, I think they... There's a perception that Boise State is kind of overrated, even though Boise State has still won a lot since Chris Peterson left. Like, there's a reason why Brian Harson got that Auburn job. Boise State's been so good, they just haven't gotten to the point where, hey, let's miss a field goal against Nevada that might have cost us a, a bid in the BCS National Championship game. Like, they haven't been on that level nationally, but they have the best quarterback in the conference in Carson Strong, best offense in the conference. I love that the they have San Jose State at home. I love that that game is at home because... San Jose State doesn't play Boise, so Nevada might need that home win or probably needs that home win over San Jose State to get the division tiebreaker. I just think with Strong and all of that offensive firepower, I just hope that Boise-Nevada game is a late one. Just like we talked about holding that ticket for UCLA-Hawaii, no time for it right now. Give me like an eight local time kick for that game. That's what I want to see on my way in Nevada plus 400 in the Mountain West. The gap between them and Boise isn't that big. I'm kind of skeptical against about San Jose State this year. I don't think they're going to be bad. But I don't know if they can do what they did last year. And I think the value at 400 is just there for Nevada. Yeah, I'm not think, seeing it obviously. I think I have the same worries about San Jose State that um, worries, maybe not the right word, the same impulse uh, with Coastal Carolina, where like, ooh, am I worried? I am. I am coming in hot on a team 
that is the highest they have ever been, that sucked forever, and now they have a very short track record of being good, and now I'm buying in, like, ooh, am I worried about that? But it, it just feels like this is a unique situation, which we have talked about before, coming off the COVID year, all the bonus players coming back that wouldn't normally be coming back. It makes some of this small school success a lot more sustainable than it would normally be. So I am more interested in buying on a team like San Jose State than maybe I would be normally in another year coming off the year that like what they had last year. Uh, I, I like San Jose State. I mean, San Jose State has longer odds to win the conference than Nevada that I'm looking at. Nevada's at plus 400. San Jose State, I believe, is at plus 500. Their uh, win total number is eight. Like These all seem like decent buys for me. I don't think your Nevada pick is necessarily bad. I see what you see. I think it's just personal preference. The only other Mountain West bet that I have is Utah State over three and a half. And tell me if I'm just too confident in Blake Anderson coming in. I mean, this is a team that, like, they they literally quit. But there are some, you know, very specific circumstances around that. So I'm not trying to criticize them boycotting a game because they felt like the university wasn't giving them the proper respect with COVID and different things within that program. But it's still a program that came off of something like that. They had a lot of departures. Blake Anderson was able to get a lot of those guys back. And I think that to the casual fan, you look at Utah State's trajectory under Gary Anderson, and they're a little bit, I guess, worried that Utah State isn't what they used to be, and they're not. But I don't think that Utah State is like this terrible program right now. They still have plenty of talent. They have a coaching staff that I trust, a very steady coaching staff. Even in year one, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, that I don't love betting on first-year coaches. But what Blake Anderson has done, and the we, he's a known commodity because he was at Arkansas State for so long with a stable program, that if you actually go and look at this roster, if you go and look at the schedule, I just don't think they're as bad as people think they are who don't actually know what was going on at Utah State last year. So give me the over three and a half here. Uh, I would say I, I have nothing for you on Utah State. I, I think the last one I would want to mention over here while we're out west. Hey, is, tell me about Utah State, Colorado State, October 23rd. I want to talk about Hawaii for a second uh, because I, I think Todd Graham had a decent team last year. I think they have a lot coming back. I think if you are a buyer of Hawaii, you need to be very careful about the schedule because I think this number is pretty good. The number is uh, six is what I have written down here. And... They got to go to UCLA. They got to go to Oregon State. They got to play San Jose State. They got to play at Nevada, which we've already talked about. They got to go to Wyoming. That's not an easy trip. Uh, at UNLV, I mean, at Utah State. Obviously, there are some wins here. I'm not telling you they're going to lose all of these games. But we, we've talked before about like people overestimate the, the travel both going to Hawaii and Hawaii coming to the mainland for games. But this is a lot of tough games. You're talking about playing two Pac-12 teams. I think they'll beat Portland State, but past that, I mean, they could definitely start the season like one and four, and now you're trying to get uphill to six. I just think this is a tough, uh, this is a tough road to go, and I would stay away from this Hawaii number, even though they were good last year. 
Yeah, I don't see. I can't remember what episode we were on. Where we were talking about when a team kind of gets on a roll and then maybe they go three and one over a four week stretch and that helps get them to that over. I don't know if that's like sound reasoning for taking a number, but I just don't see that stretch for Hawaii. I mean, you go from like Nevada to New Mexico State, great, but even if you're not high on Utah State, you're still going to Logan. Still a long trip if you want to talk about that. Yeah, seven road games. God, when was the last time Hawaii played? seven road games yeah this is stay away from me that can't happen very often um that's all i have for g5 anything else in the mountain west or elsewhere i don't think so i'm i'm excited for another year of watching the smaller guys people know i'm a big g5 guy big fcs guy so uh looking forward to some of these off the beaten track games just hope that boys in nevada game is late 10 p.m kick let's do it Join us back here on High Motor by BetMGM. That's Monday, August 16th for our FCS preview. Sam Herter of Hero Sports. He'll be on the show breaking down the FCS, and then we'll do one more episode. It'll kind of be like that episode we did on NFL Futures after all those divisional uh, previews. Anything that we missed, anything we want to revisit, some odds that we didn't touch on, Heisman odds are available in, in some different states. So we'll touch on that stuff, anything we want to revisit if odds moved, etc. That'll be Thursday, August uh, 19th which will lead us into game week, week zero, starting the following week. Check out those numbers on BetMGM.com, the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Ping us with any questions, topics, anything on Twitter, at HighMotorPod. If you have any time-sensitive issue or any time-sensitive questions on betting or just generally want somebody to uh, give you some very fine advice, Chase Kitty on Twitter, at Chase A. Kitty. Do you ever not respond to somebody? Never. Like, if they ask a really stupid question... I found out about the coaches bowl thing because somebody DM'd me with huh. with the screenshot of Texas at 19. Nailed it. Listen to the podcast. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll see you back here on Monday for some FCS talk. Thank you for listening to High Motor by BetMGM.